Good morning, Life Church Livonia. If we have not had the opportunity to meet, I'm Donald Johnson, and I serve as the lead pastor for Life Church Auburn Hills. Woo, woo, yeah. It's so good to be here with you all today. In this Christmas season, many of us are looking forward to the receiving and the giving of gifts. Now, I remember when I was much younger that my sisters and I, we would sneak down to the living room and look under the tree and actually grab one of the gifts and begin to shake it. We would shake it to try to figure out what is it that we had. And we went even to the point where we were ripping the wrapping paper and we got caught. We, we got in trouble. So kids, if you're listening, disclaimer, do not do that. Don't do that. But we were excited. We wanted to know what were the gifts that we had. And friends, in this series called Down to Earth, we have been exploring gifts of much greater value. We are examining the fact that God actually stepped into humanity. He stepped into our story to change our narrative. And with his presence, he brought presence. He brought gifts. And those gifts over 2000 years ago are still giving us life. They, they are still empowering us and they are still bringing us to a place to bless many others. And see, the goal of this series is to explore what those gifts are and to see how we can actually lay hold on them. It is said that this is the most wonderful time of the year. Sing it with me. No, <laughs> we're only eight days away and we're in full Christmas mode. Lights, decorations, and we've been listening to music. But to be honest, it's not so happy for everybody right now. And if I can be really real with you, I have personally been fighting to be festive. I, I know the scriptures. I know what the Bible says. I've been through grief therapy, but the struggle for me has been really real. I've been thinking about those that I've, I've lost in the last couple of years. My mother, my father, my father-in-law. I've been thinking about my cousins, even this year, um, losing members of the church, and last year, losing my, my sister. That's been on my mind, and it's been challenging. I have honestly thought, Don Earl, do you, can you really preach on this message today? With all the unrest, with everything that's brewing on the inside of you, can you talk on this topic today? And I know it's just not me. I know many of you have been dealing with some of the same situations. You may be experiencing the first. This is the first without your loved one. Or even if you have not experienced it, you know someone who's actually experiencing grief. On top of that, there are financial issues that we're dealing with. We're looking over the year and, and looking at some of the decisions that we made and saying, man, we could have made better decisions. There's a lot of unrest on the inside of us. And, and, and just think about it, friends. 
Next year is an election year. Yay, right? Look at the trouble all around the world. The situations in Israel, the Middle East, the conflict there. Look at what's happening in Ukraine and Russia. Not only that, but in our neighborhoods and again, directly what's going on in, in our worlds. There are winds of trouble that are happening. There are waves of emotions that are going up and down. And you, you ask the question, can we really experience some level of calm right now? And the answer is yes. Why? Because when Jesus came down to earth, he brought peace. He brought peace to us. And so what we want to do is we want to unpack that. We want to identify with these three questions. What is peace? What is it really about? And then we'll explore what is the impact of that peace. And then we'll look into how can we actually experience it. Let's take a moment and go before the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you with everything that we're carrying right now. Everything that's been going on in our lives to this point. We're praying, Lord, that you would speak your word to us in this moment. And that you would speak calm. That we will really get a chance to experience your peace. We know you are able and we know you can. And so I ask you to open our ears so we can hear what you're saying. Open, Lord, our eyes so we can see what it is you're doing and open our hearts so we can receive your truth today and be transformed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to go to the book of Isaiah as we've been in, in this entire series. And Isaiah prophesied 700 years before Christ's arrival. <clears throat> in the text, we see him. We see Isaiah as he penned and spoke on God's behalf, pleading with Israel to get it right. He's pleading with them because they were walking and being unjust. And God was saying, I am tired of your assemblies. I'm tired of your religious rhetoric. You, you lift your hands, but your hands are actually filled with blood. It was a dark time in Israel's history. He said, you're practicing wickedness, neglecting justice. You're overlooking those who are oppressed. But yet, with all that happening, God said, I still will do something amazing. I will break through humanity, break into this human story and change this narrative. And Isaiah began to talk about this in the ninth chapter. Although you're in darkness and judgment is coming, although you're there, he said, I still will send light, a great light and darkness. Let's read verse six. He says, for to us, a child is born to us. A son is given. This is not an ordinary child. 
but he's also a son. As we'll further understand that he's the son of God. And it says the government will be on his shoulder. The rule will be on his shoulder. And he will be called wonderful counselor. He's a wonderful counselor, mighty God, the everlasting father, prince of peace. And it says of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. There'll be no end to his rule, to his government and to his peace. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Justice and righteousness. This kingdom would not be influenced by special interests. You can't buy it, but justice and righteousness from that time and forever. And just in case you're wondering how in the world is this possible, look at this last part that says, the zeal of the Lord Almighty, God Almighty, He will accomplish it. This, God is saying, I will be actively involved in making this happen. What we're going to focus on today is the fact that the Prince of Peace, and I want you to see that there's a direct tie to peace and his rule, a direct tie. So it is only when you allow the Prince of Peace to govern your life, can you have fully access or full access to this gift of peace. Only when you allow the Prince of Peace to govern your life, his instructions, can you fully access the gift of peace. Let's fast forward and, and listen to what happened when Jesus was born. The angels, they broke out into this worship. Luke 2 verse 13, he says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, listen to this praise, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. Did you, did you hear those words? On earth, peace. What is being said there is that Jesus brought peace on earth. Peace came down to earth. And I want you to understand that peace is not the absence of conflict. Because even when he was born, there was conflict happening. The Jewish people were being oppressed. The Roman government was ruling with an iron fist. So it's not the absence of conflict, but it is the presence of the prince of peace. So let's dive into identify what is this this gift of peace. There's this Hebrew word, and more than a word, this idea, this mindset of shalom that means completeness, wholeness, fullness, and harmony. This shalom, it really means the way things should be the way God designed it to be. And in the Jewish mind, they were very familiar with Shalom. In fact, 
those that were following the Torah, the instructions that God gave, he tied it. He says, if you follow my commands, I will give. Listen to who's giving. God is saying, I will give you shalom. I will give you peace in the land. And we may, you may have heard this in a song, but it's actually a scripture. The priestly prayer that Aaron was given. Number six, it tells us this. The Lord said to Moses, tear Aaron and his sons. This is how you would bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And last week, Josh talked about how joy is uh, received just by looking in the face. And so he's saying that his face shine on you and be gracious to you. And he says, the Lord turn his face toward you and listen what he says and give you shalom. He will give you peace. Shalom is something that God gives. The psalmist also talks about this. The Lord, he gives strength to his people. So they were aware of what Shalom was. Give strength to his people. The Lord bless his people with peace. This is a gift from God. And to this day, brothers and sisters, Jewish people, they both greet and leave each other with the word Shalom. Peace. Even shalom aleichem, peace to you. This peace, this completeness, this wholeness, but that peace was disrupted because of disobedience. We lost our peace in, in the garden. And every since then, brothers and sisters, we have been incomplete. Our shalom was shattered. It was shattered by sin. And we have been blaming each other. We have been walking around in shame, in fear, searching to be completed, searching to fill that void. In fact, you may have heard people say this, that I'm going to get married and find someone that completes me. And we all know how that turns out, right? Two broken people trying to complete. It doesn't happen. And there's an internal storm that's been causing us to just fear and again to walk in shame like Adam did. But God loved us so much that he sent the Prince of Peace. And with his presence, he brought peace to us. So let's explore what is the impact of this gift. There are three areas I wanna briefly talk to you about. The first area that when this gift of peace came down, this gift restored is peace with God. See, friends, God is, is a holy God. There's no darkness in him. There's no evil. He's unique. He's completely whole. And, and he's relational, but he's relational to broken people. How can God mediate? between his holiness, who he is, and our brokenness. He sent this gift in the midst of our darkness. He sent Jesus. So when we celebrate Christmas, when we celebrate the Advent, it's much more than a cute little baby in a manger. 
We are celebrating God stepping into humanity to deliver us from what was holding us back, what was making us incomplete. And Paul wrote about this. In fact, Romans 4, he talks about Jesus being delivered over to death for our sins and he was raised for our justification. And then we go to uh, chapter five, verse one. This is what he says. Therefore, since we, that's you and I, have been justified by our performance. No, I'm sorry. That's not what it reads. <laughs> so sometimes we believe that, that our justification comes from us. And I love what Watchman Nee says, that Christianity, it doesn't start with a big do. It starts with a big done. Jesus paid this price for us. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we put our faith in what Jesus done, has done. We have peace, listen, with God. He brokered the relationship for. He did what we could not do. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access. We have access to the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, by faith into grace in which we now stand and we boast. Now we can boast in the hope of the glory of God. Verse six says this, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, we had nothing, there was nothing we could do. We did not deserve it. When we were still powerless, Christ, he died for the ungodly. Very, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person though for a good person someone might dare possibly dare to die but verse 8 says this but god but god he demonstrated his own love for us unto us a child is born unto us the son was given he demonstrated his love for us in this while we were still sinners christ he died for us. He died while we were enemies. It goes on to talk about that. While we were enemies. And then he says, how much more? How much more, brothers and sisters? So we don't have to walk around in guilt anymore because Jesus, he carried our guilt. We don't have to walk around in shame. Wondering if we're in relationship with God. We don't have to because Jesus, his work, his life, his death on the cross. Paid the price for us to be in right relationship with God, restoring peace with God. Friends, let's look at the second area of impact. Because. Again, this gift of peace also gives us access to the peace of God. Not only do we have peace with God, that's settled. There's no greater sacrifice I can present to God than what Jesus did. And it is from that position that I live out my life. But not only do we have peace with God, we can actually have the peace of God. Let's look into this. Prior to Jesus going to the cross, he was informing his disciples 
of what was to come. There was trouble. Naturally, they're, they're going to be sad because he's, he's, he's leaving. And he promised that I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to give you my spirit. And with that, John 14, 27, he says this, peace, peace, I leave you. And not just any peace, but listen to what Jesus is saying. Listen to what our Messiah, the Messiah is saying. He says, my peace, I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. And then he says, do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. I am not giving you something that is dependent on outside circumstances. I'm not giving you that kind of peace. That's what the world gives us when things look right, when things feel right. We're anticipating things to be right. That's not the peace that I'm giving you. He is saying, I am giving you my peace that is not contingent on what's happening on the outside, but who you have on the inside. And if you go to John 16, verse 33, he echoes this again because he says, listen, he's telling you, I'm, I'm telling you these things. There's, there's going to be a time when all of you will leave me. But he says, it's OK. It's, it's all right. I'm not alone. He's not panicking. He's like, oh, I'm by myself. No, he's not panicking because he said, I know the father is with me. And then he says this, verse 33, I'm telling you this. I'm telling you these things. So that where in me, you might have peace. And I'm so glad that he's real. He, he he's, doesn't paint this picture as if once you receive Jesus, everything is just going to be perfectly fine. That's not what he told the disciples. He's the truth. He, tells, he says this, in this world, you will, you will have trouble. You will experience trouble, but he says, don't trip. I've overcome the world. I have the victory. And knowing that we have Jesus with us to cause us to get, give us calm. And see, when I think about this, when I think about having the peace of God, my mind goes to Mark 4. Um, there's a storm that was happening. Disciples was on the ship. And the storm was happening and water, the scripture says, is getting in the boat. The disciples are trying their best to bail themselves out of a situation. And then one turn and look at Jesus and they see Jesus sleep. And they determine because he is not actively involved in their situation, then you, you cannot care. How can you care with, about us when you're not involved in what we're doing? How many of us have felt like that? I know I've, I've had many times when it didn't seem like God was actively involved in my situation. When I'm pleading and, and, and trying my best to do what I can to get out of the situation. And it seemed like God is silent. Jesus actually wakes up and he rebukes the wind, peace, be still. 
In other words, he told the wind to shut up, chill. And a great calm. And they feared even more. <laughs> Who is this guy that even the winds obey his voice? But then Jesus asked this question. I, if you were there, you would be like, really, Jesus? He, he asked this question to the disciples. He said, why are you tripping? That's the new Don Earl version. He, he says, why are you afraid? And I think this is what he's saying to us right now. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, he's asking this question, why are you troubled? Why are you afraid? And then he says, do you not have faith? Do you not believe? I'm with you. And when Jesus is on board, there's no way this ship is going down. And when you have Jesus in your life, Paul said it like this, Romans 8, 28, for we know, we're not guessing about this thing. We know that somehow, some way, these things are going to work together for good. Alex talked about that, having that hope. Somehow, some way, God's going to bring good out of this because he's a good God. And I, I love this uh, quote I'll share with you, Tim Keller. He says, because sometimes when situations don't turn out the way we want them to turn out, we get angry with God. Listen to what Tim Keller says. If you have a God great enough and powerful enough to be mad at because he doesn't stop your sufferings, you also have a God who is great enough and powerful enough to have reasons that you can't understand. You got to know he's still in charge. Our circumstances may change, but brothers and sisters, his character never changed. God has a plan. And although it may hurt right now, you got to keep believing. You got to keep trusting in his character. <clears throat> I think about what Job said, going through what he was going through, the suffering that he was going through. He said, all the days of my appointed time, I'm going to wait. I have to wait till my change come. He says, I know my Redeemer lives. I have a relationship with the one who can bring me out. He's my redeemer. Habakkuk says this. He says, though the fig tree does not bud. There's no grapes. The olive crop, they fail. The fields, they're not producing any food. We're, we've done all this work and the fight doesn't match the fruit. This is what he says. There's no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls. Things are looking bad, frustrated with ministry, with life, with relationship, marriage, whatever it is. But he concludes this, yet will I trust him. I have to trust him because I know he is good. And that gives us the peace of God. And the last area of impact is this, is having peace with others. As I mentioned before, God is very rela relational and everything that he creates, everything that he creates is actually in relationship with one another. And so once we have peace with God, we understand we have peace with God and then the peace of God, then that peace will flow outward to others. And I want to show you this image of this uh, marriage triangle. I'm not sure if you've ever seen that, but 
they have God at the top of the triangle and it has the husband and the wife at the bottom. And the idea is the closer you get to God, the closer you get to each other. And my daughter actually, after observing some behavior, texts my wife and I this image. And after sending her to her room and putting her on a punishment, I looked at my wife and said, you need to get closer to God. No, <laughs> that's not what happened. That's not what happened at all. After seeing that image, I was convicted and I had to repent to my daughter. I had to repent to my wife and we had to go before God and pray and ask God to help us be who you have called us to be because if you have peace with God, if you have the peace of God, it should impact the relationships that you have. Even if someone doesn't decide to come, remember, while we were enemies, Christ died for us. And see, Paul dealt with this. He dealt with this tension dealing between the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews, they had direct relationship with God. God chose them to reveal himself to, but not only reveal himself to, but reveal himself through. He asked them, ask any other nation who has had access to me like you. But again, it was not just only for them, but for the world. And let's read what Paul was saying between this divide between Jew and Gentile, Ephesians 2, 14, and I'll read it really fast. He says, for he himself is our peace, Jesus, who made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with his commands and regulation. His purposes was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two thus making peace. And there was an actual physical barrier, but he tore that down. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access, both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, he says, you are no longer foreigners or strangers, but you're fellow citizens with God, people, and also members of his household. You see what he's saying here? Because of Jesus' sacrifice, we are now family. This new humanity, this new family, family. Nothing, brothers and sisters, shall come between us. No classism, racism, politics, nothing shall come between us. And in chapter four, he urged, he says this, as he's saying, I need you to live into this reality. He says, this is how you live into it. Be completely humble and gentle. Not pushing your agenda or what you think to be right, but humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing one another in love. And he tells us, He's encouraging us, each and every last one of us, to make every effort to keep 
the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So let's close with how can we actually receive this gift in our lives? How can we grab hold of this peace that's a gift to us that Jesus brings? Isaiah 26, 3, he says this, that he will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is set. Mind is locked, meaning dependent on him because he trusts in him. And I like how Paul unpacks it in Philippians. Let's read. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And just in case you missed it, <laughs> he says, rejoice. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all everybody not those in the public it's easy for us to act one way in the public but even behind the scenes let your gentleness be evident to all he says the lord is near do not be anxious about anything but this is what he says in every situation and every means every in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving bring it bring it before god and thank him for it. Present your request to God. Bring it to God. Whatever you're going through, whatever the situation is, whatever the conflict, bring it to God. And this is what he says. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He said, I will keep you. God's peace will actually keep you. So in summary, he's saying, always rejoice. Where, what are you rejoicing about? In the Lord. Rejoice that you have been redeemed. Rejoice that you have been delivered. Rejoice that you have received a gift that you did not deserve. Rejoice in the Lord always. You can always rejoice in that. God is good. We say it all the time and all the time God is good. And then he says, don't worry. Worship. Don't panic. Pray. Bring it to God and seal your request with thanksgiving and have a mindset that yet will I trust you. He goes on to talk about finally, brothers, sisters, whatever is true. Whatever is noble. He, he tells us about our thought life. He speaks on this. And he says, this is what I need you to put in practice. Just don't be hearers, but become doers. Because again, it is only when you allow the Prince of Peace to govern your life that you can fully have access to this gift of peace. I want to share a couple of slides with you that have other scriptures on it. And you can please take a screenshot of these. And I encourage you, to, to do some homework, to look these scriptures up because they're vitally important as we are to be active and pursuing peace. These scriptures are powerful. So grab them and, and, and study them and ask God to speak to your heart. Friends, as we close, some of you may have not yet said yes to Jesus. And this is what this season is about. He came down to earth to give you 
what we could not earn, to give us what we did not deserve. And he's offering it to us today. Your life may be in shambles right now, or your life may be going pretty well and you still know that something is missing. You don't have shalom. I'm asking you in this moment to surrender, to say yes to God. Say, God, I've been trying this and trying to do this my way. And here's the result of that. I'm asking you in this moment to just, to just say, yes, God, I want you to govern my life. I want to follow your instructions. I need your power to walk this thing out. So I encourage you today to say yes. And those of you who may have, may have walked away because of your trouble, because of some situations, and you're saying, I'm done with it, I'm through. He's calling you back right now. He's calling you and asking you, would you receive the gift? Receive this gift of peace. So let's take a moment and just pray. Father, again, we just thank you for who you are. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your word. We pray right now for those who are saying yes to you for the very first time. Lord, that they would surrender to the righteous king and say yes to you, that you would govern their lives, that we would have access to this peace with God. And if we're lacking in the area of peace of God or peace with others, that we would be willing vessels to receive right now so that you would continue to advance your work in and through the earth, through us, unto us, a child is born, unto us, a son is given. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful week. Thank you so much, Donnerall. I love you, and I'm so grateful that we get to do ministry together. Thank you for bringing this powerful word on the peace that comes with Jesus. Well, folks, next week is Christmas Eve, and we cannot wait to see you there. We are having special things in person, as well as some special things here on our digital stream. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to the day, the coming day soon, when we can do live streaming. And uh, I hope to see you as we celebrate Christmas Eve next week.